Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about strip till. If you've got any questions about that or anything happening on your farm, you can give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us radio at agphd.com or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So Darren, I was going to tell you real quick, just about any time I go out in, um, I was at a an event last night and people always come up and they're like, hey, I listen to the, listen to the radio show and stuff, but um, I, I just, I haven't called in, but I got these two questions. And so we talk farming when, whenever I, I, I'm out at almost anything, which is great. It's super fun. But anyway, so yesterday it was Aaron from South Dakota and he's like, hey, how about uh, applying nitrogen over the top of my crop right now? And I go, well, I I, I I don't know if I can make a blanket statement there because I don't know where your soil tests are at or tissue tests, but I'm especially looking at soil tests. I, I mean, like on our farm, we just did a bunch of pre nitrate testing and found out we had all kinds of nitrogen, so I don't need any more nitrogen. So throwing some out, I know you're going to spray fungicide already, but throwing some out isn't going to make a difference if you already have a whole bunch in your plant and in your soil. So that's one of the biggest things we talk about all the time is just testing in general. And to our topic today, strip till, one of the reasons, and so yes, this does tie in. (laughs) Here's where I'm going with this. When we talk about strip till, one of the biggest benefits is we're placing nutrients down deeper in the soil. Now, you can do strip tillage without putting fertility on. I, I think you're missing a golden opportunity, but you can do strip tillage without putting those nutrients down. But for us, we had done a bunch of no-till on our farm for about 10 years. We were probably half, half our acres were no-till. Okay. And then we switched those acres over to strip till. And the re the two reasons why we did number one, the soil warmed up a lot quicker. It was seven degrees warmer in the spring. That was a big deal for us. We had way faster emergence, better stands, all that kind of thing. But the other big factor was this. When we were in no-till for a long time, and I'm not saying this is a blanket statement about no-till in general, okay? There are ways to get fertility down, but for us, we were broadcasting fertility, which um, that didn't work out because, as you know, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, phosphorus doesn't move, zinc doesn't move, copper doesn't move, potassium barely moves in heavy soil in dry areas like ours. So what I'm saying is after 10 years, you know where all our nutrients were. They were in the top inch of soil. When we went out there with strip till, well, now we got nutrients down deeper, okay? And then because of that, I want you to think about it in a drought year like this year that we're having, at least in our area, your top inch is going to dry out really fast. But down 8, 10 inches deep, guess what? In a lot of cases, there's, there still may be some moisture there in some of these heavy soils like we've got. So if I have a heavy soil, I have moisture down deeper, I place my nutrients down deeper, guess what? Those nutrients can get into the plant. So we're running into a lot of situations here this summer where guys, they say, I'm short on on nitrogen, I'm short on potassium, I'm short on phosphorus. Is it true that your soil is short or it's just what's in the soil isn't getting into the plant? And so it comes back a little bit to placement. And when you strip till, you've got 
two big benefits out of that placement. Number one, you can put it deeper down into moisture. And number two, you're banding it. So think about it this way. When you're throwing broadcast fertilizer out there, there's fertilizer over all the soil. Now think about your pits. I don't care if it's wheat, soybeans, corn, whatever it is. Uh, the plant roots can't find all the fertilizer in the soil because their roots don't explore every single like tiny little piece of soil. Sure, there are a lot of roots out there, especially like in wheat in your narrow rows, and you go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting some. Yeah, you're doing okay, but without soil moisture moving stuff around like it normally would, the, the, those plant roots literally have to run into the fertility, and they're just simply not doing that in a dry environment. So that's where you have to have more nutrients out there. On the other hand, let's say your corn or soybeans in 30-inch rows, and you place the fertilizer directly down below where the roots are going to grow, now you've got an extremely high probability that you are going to recover most of that fertility that you placed out there. So anyway, uh, when, it, when it comes to strip till, again, if you've got questions, you can certainly give us a call. Uh, it's kind of a fun topic for us just because we've got lots of experience with this and many other tillage systems as well. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the Mailbag! All right, Brian, uh, we got a lot of questions here. I'll take a simple one here to start. This one comes in from Wayne. Wayne said, we've got white clover in our grass, in our lawn around the farmyard, and just wondering if I can kill the clover with the Freelex that you guys talk about. Will that sure. take it out? It's The clover's kind of taking over my grass. We're down in central Kentucky. Yeah, you can, but the thing is, clover's tough. Now, it all depends on the kind perennial. of clover. Well, it might be. It could be an annual, could be a perennial. I don't know what you're dealing with, but yeah, to Darren's point, a lot of clovers are perennial. Okay, so Freelex is nothing more than 2,4-D that doesn't drift and volatilize like the old stuff did, but it doesn't kill weeds any better. So you have to hit it with the strongest, the highest labeled rate, and you're probably going to need to do that multiple times. We've also, we've had a little bit better luck using mesotrium. So tenacity would be the lawn product or the products that's actually labeled in lawns. It's the same thing as Callisto that you'd use in corn. We've had some control out of drive as well. That's the same thing as facet L that you would use in sorghum, quinclorac. So there are some other options besides the Freelex. I'd, if it's me and I had to pick one product, I'd say probably the Miso, the Mesotrial, Tenacity. But you can do a decent job with Freelex. You're just going to have to use high-rate, high multiple applications. All right. Thanks for the question. We're going to be talking about strip tillage on today's program. We're also going to be taking your agronomic questions. You can email us, radio at agphd.com. Or give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. Precision crop nutrition pays. 
And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You won't want to miss this Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Today we're talking about one of our favorite topics, strip tillage. We get a lot of questions around tillage, whether it's no-till, conventional till, reduced till. I mean, there's just so many different terms and names. And we're going to talk strip tillage today. And so for anybody new to the concept, because we have some non-farm listeners and also some folks who just don't have strip tillage done in their area, we're, we're talking about tilling just where we're going to plant our rows and leaving areas in between the rows untilled. And we'll talk about some of the pros and cons of doing that and some of the tricks to getting the most out of that system on today's show. Again, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD if you have any questions or if you want to talk about what's going on on your farm. Start off with Tanner Schultz right now with Environmental Tillage Systems. Tanner, how you doing? I've been good. How about you guys? We are doing well. We're doing well. All right. So strip tillage, and I, I realize a lot of folks do it different. Some do it with the shank. Some do the strip tillage with the coulters. There's just everybody's got their own way. And I think that's one of the cool things about the system is you change it up a little bit to, to what you need on your farm. Absolutely. Um, not only about the benefits of uh, placing that fertility in that strip for feeding that growing crop throughout the year, um, different different uh, geographies require a little bit different approach at times. So uh, in many cases, our culture style system will fit a lot of, will fit a lot, fit a lot of bills. However, um, the use of a shank knife t- type tillage system has its benefits in different places as well. Yeah, there, there are a lot of reasons why you would do one versus the other. And I had a lot of questions this spring from folks. Well, can I, can I do the shank in the spring, but it seems like it's a little wet if I go deep, so I can't go very deep. Why don't you just do the coulters? It works so much nicer in, in the spring, at least in our experience. We do like that shank, as Brian was saying earlier in the show, though, Tanner, for deeper fertility placement. If we see, gosh, in our soil samples, we just don't have anything in that 6 to 12-inch zone. Why wouldn't we put some fertilizer down where the roots can get it? Right, and that's a, that's a very good point that Brian makes. Um, to use that chain to indeed drive that fertility just a little bit diver- deeper. Um, however, 
as you mentioned, you know, you do run some risk with that knife based system for uh, a spring application. However, you know, again, that, that's where there might be an advantage to get out and get those strips built in the fall, regardless of what you're dealing with at that time. Uh, many places do have a freeze thaw cycle to mellow out any of those rougher type strip conditions with lumps and chunks and, you know, the sidewall compaction, that sort of thing will kind of weather itself out with Mother Nature there. Well, I sure like the warm-up in the spring, and that was one of the questions I had when we got into the system. Is it really going to warm up? Is there enough black soil there where we did that tillage? But it's been as much as 7 degrees warmer when we were out there on our first day's planting in that strip versus right in between, so it's a big deal. Yes, it is. Um, you know, that's one of the, you know, one of the many top questions that we get is, will it warm up as good as a conventional type practice? And, you know, the, again, the data is, is somewhat out. You've seen it on your farm yourself where that radiation from the sun during the warming um, time of the year is concentrated into that black strip. Um, however, you know, the kind, of, the kind of the neat thing about the the way strip till works is that, residue and anything that was pushed out of strip area is kind of acting like a, a blanket, if you will. So during your early, early time of warming, your temperature isn't falling off as much at night and it's warmer when it starts warming in the day. So, you know, that's kind of how the system works. And again, there's, there's data out there all over, but you know, if a guy can see it and live it um, right in his own field and his own farm, you know, that's going to be a, a true believer right there. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things. You're going to make some adjustments on your farm. You're going to do it the way uh, the folks in your area are doing with your soils and your topography and all those things to, to get it just right. Tanner, as you look this year, there are some areas that, that have been awfully dry, too. For, for us, we're always concerned if we do too much tillage. So if we're doing deep conventional tillage, we're just worried about drying things out. And we have seen an advantage that way with strip till, too. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, across the, you know, across the corn belt, as well as the outer reaches of it, you know, guys are adapting strip till um, in, in highly irrigated areas because they're using less water. Well, if you kind of factor that into your equation there, less water that they're using, ultimately, if you kind of bring that to your own farm and, you know, whether it's you guys in South Dakota or a guy in Iowa or, or wherever, um, you don't always know when it's going to rain, but if you're able to, you know, conserve some of that residual moisture from your spring planting time, as well as any sort of moisture that you would receive, um, the better you can have that moisture be a part of your soil as opposed to running through it or running over it is kind of what's going to keep your your crops, you know, in better conditions and wet soils. Well, strip tillage is sure an interesting concept, and it's one we've used for many years on our farm. Uh, one of the folks that we like to talk to is Tanner Schultz with Environmental Tillage Systems about different ideas and, and ways we can adjust the machine because we do like the Soil Warrior machine as well. Tanner, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and good luck to you here this summer. Yeah, thanks to, thanks to you guys as well, and look forward to seeing Field Day here in a couple weeks. Oh, it's coming up quick, no doubt about that. Again, uh, the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Don't miss it. Kellen Huber is up next, uh, up in Saskatchewan with Keltech Ag. How you doing, Kellen? I'm doing really good. Hot, though. Really? We're, we're cooling off down here. Wait, wait, wait. You're from Canada, so what's hot? Uh, 75 degrees Fahrenheit, or...? 
<laughs> I'm oh, kidding. Actually, we've been we've been in the mid '80s to uh, Saturday. We are actually '94, so <laughs> that, it's yep, uh, that, it's been a little warm up here, buddy. Yep, that'd definitely be hot even for us South Dakota guys. So, Kellen, we we heard yeah. you had some stories you had to share with us about tillage. Yes, well, you know me in compaction, and you know me in sulfur, and what I've been seeing this year. I got a couple of clients that we actually used a um, intense cultivator. Now it's different than strip tilling because we don't do a lot of row crops up here. So what compaction has been causing us is a like you talked about earlier, shallow rooting, a uh, lot of drying out. So over the last couple of years, we've been doing what's called uh, strategic tillage, and yep. we're going down about eight nine inches. Yep, and in that what we're doing is taking and breaking up those compaction layers. And then we're actually putting in, as you talked about earlier, incorporating beet lime or sulfur, depending on the situations. Sure. So we're really kind of getting more water holding capacity. And as you mentioned earlier, a lot more rain driving in when we had a really wet spring here. And what we're seeing right now, Brian and Darren, is tremendous roots, tremendous crop difference. Where we did the tillage, where right beside in our test strips, that majority of the field was doing no-till, we're seeing a substantial root and overall plant health and in this heat condition right now. Yeah, and it's one of the things, Kellen, as we bring that up, because I, I often tell the story of almost every winter I'll have some somebody come up to me after some talk I give and they go, Brian, I didn't want to say anything in front of everybody, but I pulled out the moldboard plow again and that was the best crop I've had in years. Short term, getting some things down in the ground, reducing compaction short term, great. But the problem is if we continue, because uh, a guy will run into this and they'll do this strategic tillage like you're talking about, and then I assume your next conversation is, wait a second, this isn't an every year thing. We did this as a tool to fix a problem, right? Bingo. Exactly. Because this is a situation that I'm looking at rotating through the particular farmer's fields each year, and we do a three to four year rotation of crops. Yep. So what we do is chase high residue. Yep. For example, that's our durums, that's our wheats. So each year, so we're doing about a quarter of our total acreage each year in a four-year rotation, yep. and we're seeing tremendous results. Yeah. Yeah, Darren and I have talked about that even on our own farm. You know, maybe it's once every 10 years. I, I don't, everybody's going to be in a little bit different situation, like you said, depending on your rotation of crops and your soil type and all that kind of thing. But these are all tools. And so I always hate to, when, when somebody says, well, I don't want to use that for sure. I'm like, well, let's, let's just talk about it and let's see if, hey, maybe tillage could be part of your operation for at least just a little bit. Hey, Kellen, did you have anything more for us? we got to take a quick break here. If you do, you could hang on through the break and we can talk more. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more, and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking strip tillage on today's program and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got our friend Kellen Huber on. He's up in Saskatchewan with Caltech Ag, and we're talking a little tillage and telling a few stories along the way. Wouldn't, wouldn't expect anything differently, Kellen. Yep. Well, you always got to have uh, what they call plots, and there's those unscheduled plots that you uh, get <laughs> in, in every field. field. And they <laughs> always, every field has a test strip in it, and it's taking the information off that. But in regarding tillage, and and what I and the reason why I call it strategic tillage because a lot of people want to call it recreational tillage. You know, they got to hit something that's green out there, and it's got to be gone. But this the strategic tillage. And what I find in my area up here is when you're getting through those compaction zones, now you're loosening up all that soil. You're taking, creating aerobic zones, you're breaking up compaction, putting nutrients in. But what I really find is 
looking for a good machine that has a good quality roller. And what I mean on the back is actually to can re- reconceal that soil because if you leave it too loose and too fluffy, yeah, you're going to have tremendous dry out. And I've seen guys up here that have actually taken just ordinary cultivators and then they have a, um, you guys use the uh, three bar harrows or five bar harrows usually behind your cultivators, but we take a land roller and actually put it behind just to set it back down so that you're not completely packing it down tight, but it's getting that so you don't have a bunch of residue, that erosion that'll happen, especially with wind, especially in fall. So just wanted to make sure that guys properly understand that if you're going to take some tillage out there into the field, make sure that you're doing a good packing system in behind, whether it be a crow foot packer or a um, spiral packer or something just take and push that soil down. Even though you've worked it all up, there's a tremendous amount of oxygen and nutrients and residue. And one of the things I wanted to say earlier when I picked these high residue crops, lots of times in no-till up here, we'll have three, four, even five years of residue sitting on top of the, of the surface. Now we're incorporating that, putting carbon back, putting paper back into that soil that actually helps again for root development and yes you you know in the springtime it gets nice and black you can get on that field real quick you know there's so many great things understanding about strategic tillage it's just unfortunately recreational tillage over the years is really kind of put a uh how do you want to call it a a dim light on tillage sure sure yeah and you mentioned a couple things there and i, I think uh, when we look at conditions being ideal, and my dad talked about this a lot when, when he moved to South Dakota, he's like, man, when I would get an inch of rain every week, I just didn't have very many problems. Everything seemed to work out, but the wheels kind of fell off on some of the things he was doing as soon as it was a drought or a year that had never stopped raining. And so he kind of needed everything to be perfect if you weren't really fussy about how you do things. So what you're talking about, Kellen, is, hey, we're going to freeze for at least six months out of the year, it's going to be tough for residue to break down. How are we going to deal with this and finding things that will work even in a drought, but also when you do get excessive rain or excessive snow, those kinds of things are super important. Well, disease is another thing that actually it'll sit in that uh, harbor in that uh, undecomposition organic matter sitting on top. So actually we see a lot of that and a lot of those weeds, are you know you'll take and break them up but and winter follow when and that's why we want to do it early is get some of that tillage out there and then any of those seeds that are coming out of the back of the combine they'll actually germinate and your a lot of your weed problem and uh different um crop volunteer crop growing in the spring will actually reduce i'm not going to say it's going to totally go away but it'll actually reduce so those are things that I've seen up here in uh, mid Saskatchewan and different, different ideas, different tricks, different things for different soil. Absolutely. Well, Kellen, thank you so much. Good to hear from you. And thanks for the advice today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Take care guys. We've got Jared Oaks with us right now with Top Gun. How you doing, Jared? Doing great, Darren. Great to hear your voice again. 
How have you been? Well, doing well. And, you know, it got me thinking here when Kellen said, well, here's what's working in our area. And uh, Tanner was talking about, well, here's what's working uh, when you get in this area. You get to work with folks all over. And that gets to be one of the tricks here. Everybody's soil is just a little different. The climate's a little different. All those things uh, can make management uh, interesting. And and the rainfall, right? That's typically what I find working with so many folks all over the world is depending on what that rainfall amount is, that's where tillage becomes a luxury or, you know, a, a really kind of a curse word. But things are always evolving. That's what's so fun about being a part of this big agricultural machine is we're always still continuing to learn and evolve and, and get better and strive for that that extra bushel or two and just really excited to see how the year plays out. Had some nice rainfall through the Midwest and uh, really excited to get up there and see you and your team on the 27th here knocking on the door. Yeah, it's coming up pretty quick. And, you know, you think about all the technology things that are out there. A lot of us coming to field day are interested. Well, what's going on? I'm doing strip till. What are some technology things that I should be aware of? So what, what would you say, Jared, if you had a, a farmer that said, hey, I'm doing strip till. What, how can you help me out to do it even better? Yeah, for strip tillers out there, you know, they've got a lot going on in one pass with the machine, right? So they're, they're really trying to be precise, uh, you know, below where the seed will be to the sides of where the seeds will be warming that up. You want to talk about strategic uh, tillage, strip till is definitely falling into that area. Topcon has some really, really great products to help those customers achieve their goals, uh, Darren. We have a, a rate controller that's really diverse. So if a customer's putting on a, a scenario, maybe they've got anhydrous and dry and liquid, uh, that rate controller is going to be able to handle literally any combination of multiple products that they can throw at it. Um, of course, when you talk about tillage or even um, strategic nutrient placement, um, guidance and auto steering and those types of things also come into the conversation too, right, Darren? So Topcon can deliver those solutions uh, across a wide variety of models, makes. We always run into uh, a scenario, Darren, where folks say, well, I don't have brand new equipment. You know, c can this work for me? And the answer is absolutely. We offer a lot of products for brand new equipment, but also for kind of legacy equipment um, that can be kind of bolted on and turn that older model into a really sophisticated precision piece of equipment. You know, you mentioned uh, just a number of different things. And I, I think as farmers, we get, we, we do take some things for granted. There's no doubt about that. And you, you think about all the precision that goes into making that strip happen. And I know for us in our farm, just being able to be repeatable, doing this strip job in the fall and coming back six months later and planting right into that and having it be perfect. That's really important for us. And then also the depth of where we're putting those nutrients and which nutrients are going where. Now we aren't, we aren't so complicated, Jared, that it's uh anhydrous plus dry plus liquid or anything like that, <laughs> but some guys would be, some guys absolutely sure. would be. And uh, you think about trying to get all that done at the same time that it, uh, yeah, it could create some problems pretty easy. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of things to watch uh, on, on the monitor, but, uh, you know, a really efficient way to do it, again, depending on soils, depending on rainfall, uh, depending on textures, different strokes for different folks. 
you mentioned repeatability. I think um, I think that's such an important topic, and, and maybe we shouldn't even use that word, repeatability. What we should really say, Darren, is you can come back to the same spot months or years later. That's what we really mean by repeatability, repeatable accuracy. And you hear and read, you know, a lot of uh, advertisements or marketing literature about uh, new signals or new hardware. Um, you know, at TopCon, we, we definitely offer very, very state-of-the-art, uh, precise positioning hardware. You know, the, the thing that goes on top of the tractor, the planter, the combine, the sprayer, you know, et cetera, GPS or GNSS receivers. Um, you see more and more year after year, season after season, customers growing an aptitude towards RTK. Absolutely. That RTK has been a big piece for us too. We'll talk more about that right after this. Combine header loss means loss income. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. It's common to see a two bushel loss per acre due to header loss. That's over $14 per acre. 360 Yield Saver replacement gathering chains cut header loss by cushioning the ear and by closing the gaps between the deck plates. 360 Yield Saver can cut header loss by 80%, adding $14 per acre. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. In his last will and testament, Robert has bequeathed to his only heir and devoted caretaker one-third of his house, a third of his truck, and a third of his beloved dog, Mr. Bo here. Uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm a little confused. Don't settle for a fraction of what you deserve, especially at harvest. Yield your best with Veltima fungicide's proven plant health benefits and revolutionary application flexibility. One-third of a dog. Right. Get everything you deserve with Veltima fungicide. From BASF, always read and follow label directions. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. 
Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking a little strip till on the show today and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're talking to Jared Oaks here with TopCon just before the break about RTK. And that was really when we made the jump, Jared. When we had RTK, we thought, you know what? We finally are accurate enough here that, that we felt really comfortable. We can go out and put strips in and be able to come back to them years later if need be. Yeah, that's a that's a big change, you know, in a in a farm. When you make that jump to being repeatable on RTK, uh, it's a huge step forward. It is an investment, of course. Now, on your farm, Darren, are you guys using base stations that you guys have? You bring them from field to field, or are you on some kind of a tower system up there? You know, it's you know, it's kind of neat here. Uh, uh, when we first started. Our main uh, part of our farm is on a big hill, and we could reach a lot of the close fields right from this uh, main spot. But now, yeah, now there's a tower system uh, around too. Yeah, I, and I think that's that's good for all farmers in all regions to to be aware. You know, the earlier base station technologies were a base, a radio. You know, you kind of had to drag it around, or or maybe your dealership had some network. Uh, you know, up on some towers somewhere, but now there's cellular RTK, which is much, much easier to operate. They can just go from field to field to field. And, and most all those RTK technologies, including the, the ones we offer here at TopCon, have a, a fallback. You know, when you can't get, say, that RTK position, Darren, you'll fall back to a, a really high level of, of accuracy. Um, but the technology is just so fun. It's, it's evolved so much and happy to discuss that with farmers, uh, up on the 27th, you know, coming through the booth, uh, love to get those questions and help people make the right choices for, uh, you know, for their farm. Well, there's certainly lots of questions to ask, and that's a big thing as a farmer, just figuring out, okay, who can I ask questions of and, and get good answers to help my farm? Uh, TopCon certainly one of those companies you can lean on. Jared, thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing you here just in a couple of weeks down the road. Thank you, Darren. Excited to see you. Bye. You bet. Let's head down to Alabama. Got a friend, Chad Henderson, down there. He farms and works with the Extreme Ag Group. How you doing, Chad? Oh, great. How you doing? Good, good. You know, we caught uh, our first one-inch rain all year, and we're pretty excited about that, but I guess we already got some corn rolling back up out there just a couple <laughs> days later. It's crazy how fast it gets used up when the corn's this big and growing this fast. Oh, man, it's tough, ain't it? It's tough. We went through that spell the same way, you know, back about three weeks ago, and then we've been blessed to be catching some rains now. So we're still, you know, trying to keep irrigations going, you know, and keep them in top-notch shape because we don't ever know when we won't have to turn them right back on. Now, when you talk about strip-till, and uh, one of our, our guests earlier was making the comment that he's found he's been able to hold more water versus how they were doing conventional till in the past and actually have to use less irrigation. Have you noticed any difference on your strip-till fields or no-till fields or conventional till fields about water usage? Well, we have. Um, we've got two of our pivots now are in a strip-till situation. And we do see that um, being able to hold a profile better. But what we're running into as well, another side of that is what, what we've learned a lot is how important it is to stay on the strip. 
you know, yes. when we're planting. Yep. Um, and, and so we see that because once that plant, if we get off the strip and that plant stresses, it, it don't matter how much water uses or not water uses, we still got to stress plants, you know. Yeah, yeah, we sure do. We we had a field, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, just down the road that had to drive by all summer long oh. a couple of years ago that we got off in a couple of spots. It's like, oh, it just looked terrible there. So, yeah, you yeah. you live and learn. You make those mistakes and you, and you yeah. move forward. Hey, what would you say are some lessons you've learned out of the strip till thing or some things you said, okay, hey, we started doing it this way and now now we like it this way better? Ooh, I don't know if we have that much time. <laughs> I mean, I, and I'm a new strip tiller, as you would call it. You know, I'm I'm within, I'm just five years old at it, and and I would say I'm a young strip tiller. But man, I've learned a lot from from guys, you know, from this show, and then guys that we deal with, and 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 y'all too. But I definitely, you know, don't get in a hurry. Like strip tilling is too wet, is is a problem. You know, don't don't get out there and do it too wet. Um, try to figure out, do all you can do for GPS technology. Um, accuracy stuff to keep it on the strip, you know, to re- repeatability on the strip is a big deal. Yeah, And, you know, we can keep going. <laughs> so, well, those, those are but, two big ones. And, and you talk about getting in the field too wet. You, you just, that's one of the nice things about strip till is you can accomplish several jobs at once, residue management, mm-hmm. seed bed preparation, uh, all these things, fertility placement. But if you mess it up, uh, you just messed up multiple jobs, not just one. Yes. And, and, you know, do we use, you know, in, do we use a row cleaner on the strip till or not? You know, we've got some acres that we run a row cleaner, you know, the row cleaner that they provide with it um, on there in the fall or not, you know, because it's according to how early I get in in the fall. I kind of want to hold some of that residue in that zone because of the winter I got ahead, you know, or so, so that's an option I've seen that we've been playing with back and forth as well. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of different ways that a that a person can do these things, and and you mentioned too working with the guys in the extreme ag group, you get a chance to to hear from a lot of different farmers. And I know sometimes folks will say, "Man, if I'm if I get in extreme ag, I'm just going to have to do everything the way those guys do." No, no, no. Those guys are trying to learn from you as well, and and then try and reason through because everybody's area is different, everybody's climate's a little different. I bet you picked up a few tips from guys about strip till as well. That's exactly right. You know, we all learning from each other and we're just sharing, you know, to try to shorten our curve down because all these curves are learning mistakes, you know, learning. It's not a mistake unless you don't learn from it, you know, and uh, but but we're trying to shorten this down. But, you know, you talk about residue management and even in the strip, even where that that you can still see the effects in that corn, you know, even with the strip when you don't manage the residue correctly. So, so I mean, the residue manage is is number one. Even in the strip tiller, it's still a very, very important practice. You know. Yeah, yeah, lots of things that go into this, and and you know, <laughs> to get to to three hundred bushel corn or or more, it's not just one thing. And you often hear growers no. talk about this. There's and, lots of little details. And you know, me and you ain't even got to the part about do we cut back fertility? How much fertility? When can we cut back fertility? You know, that's a whole another episode in itself. Yeah, I like the I like the angle of all right. I'm not going to use more fertility. I'm going to be more efficient with what I've got, and maybe I yeah. can use that fertilizer that I was getting 200 bushel corn on and get 220 or 240 or something like that. Yeah. That's that's kind of some fun stuff too. Because I found this with uh, well, it used to be with my dad, and now with my brother. That man, if they're used to spending a certain amount on fertilizer, <laughs> if I can try not to get worse than that, uh, they're they're happier that way. <laughs> That's a hundred percent. When you go in and say, "I saved this much," 
oh, they're smiling. When you go and say, I made this much, oh, they're smiling. But if you don't do either one of those, they're not smiling. No, <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> they don't want to stay status quo. Well, one guy that definitely doesn't stay status quo is Chad Henderson. Or stay still very, very long either. Chad, we really appreciate having you on. Uh, good luck here the rest of the growing yeah. season. Thank you. It's great great to talk to y'all and look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. That's right. You bet. It's coming up quick. Yeah, I'm excited about field day. It's going to be fun, and I know we're talking strip-till on today's show. We'll have strip-till rigs there. Hopefully, we'll have stuff running. I'm sure um, we'll, we'll be trying to. Well, hopefully, the weather will be cooperative, but we'll have a lot of equipment out in the field so you can see it, and you can look at, at different brands of equipment, too, and do a little comparison yourself. Uh, Brian, speaking of comparison, we had – uh, some soil samples that came in and had a grower that, that did samples 0 to 6 inch, 6 to 12, 12 to, to 18, and 18 to 24 inches. Well, yeah, hold up, hold up. Let's step back just a second. So this is in South Dakota. This is Craig in South Dakota. And back in April, we were talking about how he had some high sodium. And I just said, you know, I'd really like to see, because he sent some information, I'd really like to see a 0 to 6, 6 to 12, 12 to 18, and 18 to 24. So, I, And you're in like one of your very worst spots. So he sent that, just got the information today, and I've been going through this just a little bit, and I want to talk about how we can potentially fix these high-sodium spots at least in his particular situation. So we're going to talk about that coming up here during our Ag PhD mailbag. If you've got a question for us, you can email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. I was saying earlier in the show, I was talking to Aaron from South Dakota last night, and he said, yeah, I haven't called in. I, sh I should call in sometime on a Farmer Friday. You can call in any day you want for anybody listening. We love taking agronomic questions and hopefully helping you out a little bit on your farm. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um... We'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. 
So please go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio again. Uh, our phone lines are open 844 44 Ag PhD, and you can also email us radio at agphd.com. All right, so right before the break, we were talking about these soil tests that are high sodium. Let me give you an idea how high this sodium is in the top six inches 41% sodium. That soil's dead, you're, you can't grow diddly squat on that, even at the six. Well, the 6 to 12 is a little better, 12 to 18. But even clear down to the 18 to 24-inch, 19.5% sodium. That's a lot. Now, as proof that we're not growing anything, if I total up 0 down to 24 inches, guess how many pounds, Darren? Take a guess. How many pounds of nitrogen? I don't know if you looked at that. (laughs) Nope. 730 pounds. Yep. Because here's the thing. There's organic matter there. I'm not going to say there's a ridiculous amount, but you got a couple percent of organic matter. It's going to be releasing nitrogen every single year. So if you have areas on your farm that can't grow a crop, there's still nitrogen coming out of that soil. So he may have applied zero nitrogen there in the last 10 years. I have no idea what he did, by the way, but I'm just saying there's going to be nitrogen coming out of soil. So a lot of people think, well, the solution to this nitrogen problem, which I don't think we have in the United States, you know, nitrate in the water. Again, I do not think we have a problem at all. I'm not saying there aren't spot areas and issues here and there, but as a general statement across the board, we don't have a nitrate problem. But anyway, some people think the solution is not raising a crop. Well, here's what happens when you don't raise a crop. 730 pounds of nitrogen just sitting there. Anyway, back to the problem at hand. 41% sodium. So his question to me was, should I put gypsum on there? Okay, so first of all, what I wanted to see is, well, where are we at in the rest of this soil? Because he said, I've put tile in there now. That should solve my problem. Yes, it should. But we have soluble salts, first of all, and then we have sodium. So he has two problems. Okay, and the top six inches is soluble salts are at seven in the 12 to 18 range, or sorry, 18 to 24 range, they're just under five. So what that's showing you is we are getting rid of some salts and it's going to be less as we go down in the ground, but there's a bunch of salt out there. The good news is salt's leachable. The bad news is there's a fair amount of magnesium in this soil and between the magnesium and the sodium, it's making the soil really tight. 
So this could, this could be an area where tillage is required. You could take some straw, like literally straw bales, and throw out there and blend in with the soil, and that will help make the soil more porous. You can flush more of this bad stuff out, the excess. I shouldn't even call it bad stuff. Sodium by itself isn't bad. Magnesium isn't bad. When it's in excess, though, that's bad. That's the problem. We want to flush the excess out, okay? Um, anyway, so... The question is, should I put gypsum on? So here's where he's at. In that top six inches, 41% sodium, 21% calcium, 21%. And we typically want that 60 at least, but preferably 65 to 75. He's at 21%. But it's 1,927 parts per million. So there's a lot of calcium there. It's just that the sodium is really high. And the magnesium, 36%. Oh, by the way, potassium, 1.8%. There's actually a fair amount of potassium out there. There's a little bit of phosphorus, not lots, but you don't need lots because you're not raising anything right now anyway. The pH, I don't know how, is only 7.5. Maybe it's because of the nitrogen or something. But here are the couple things we know. One, sulfur can drive out magnesium and sodium. It takes two pounds of sulfur to drive out one pound of magnesium. It takes one pound of sulfur to drive out one pound of sodium. The second thing we know is we have an inconclusive test. We have an insufficient test because the lab he ran it through only gives us, oh, we have more than 120 pounds of sulfur at all four levels. Okay, but do I have 121 pounds? Do I have 1,200 pounds? Do I have 12,000 pounds? That makes an enormous difference because I'm trying to solve this problem sooner rather than later. And I need to know, and I can run the math, how much sulfur it's going to take for me to fix this problem. And I don't have the proper data. So I get it that if we're only looking at sulfur as a nutrient, then you got 120 pounds, you're in good shape. Okay, But we're talking about sulfur as a way to fix our soil here. This is a soil amendment. So I need to know, just like I need to know on calcium and magnesium, what do I have for parts per million out there? I need to know on sulfur. So please, whenever anybody's getting a test done in a situation like this, find out what we actually have, not just, oh, it's more than 120 pounds. Okay. So here's where I'm going with this, because he asked the question, should I put gypsum out there? I can't answer the question because I don't know how much sulfur is out there. Now I can tell you, in, when, when I get down to the 18 to 24 inch range, the calcium magnesium ratio is a lot better. It's 56% calcium, it's 24% magnesium. And by the way, the calcium parts per million, 5,841. Okay, you do not want any more calcium down deep. Now, up top, could you throw some gypsum out in the short term? Sure. Would I also consider throwing elemental sulfur out there? I would. But I don't know what my test is. So here's where I'm going with all this. Let's just say, for example, that he's got 2,000 pounds between 0 to 24 inches. Let's say he's got 2,000 pounds of sulfur there, which he might. I don't know. If he already has that there, that can flush out over time 2,000 pounds of sodium or maybe 1,000 pounds of magnesium. Either way, it's going to help him. Okay? So you see where I'm going with this. Because of inconclusive data... I can't make the proper recommendation, all right? I need better data. Uh, and no fault to him or anything else. It's just the lab he sent it to. They're not giving us the data. And maybe they have the data if you call them and find out, hey, how many parts per million or pounds per acre do I actually have there? That's what I need to know, okay? And the reason why this sulfur is a big deal, let me explain. 
when you put sulfur together with sodium or sulfur together with magnesium, it's really the sulfate that we're talking about. So magnesium sulfate or sodium sulfate, either way, those are salts. Salts are leachable. He said he put tile out there. So if we have decent rainfall and we can get stuff flowing through where there's undoubtedly compaction there, again, because with so high sodium and high magnesium soils, it's going to be really tight. So I would consider doing some tillage and some deep tillage. I want to, and I would also consider throwing some straw out there. So I, I get some organic material into the ground. I space the soil out a little bit. You see what I'm trying to say? We can flush stuff out a lot faster. So if it's me, those are the steps that I am taking. Understanding this, that spot, let's call it, let's say it's five acres. That five acres probably isn't going to actually be profitable for years, maybe decades. And you're going to go, what? I got, I want to make some money soon, like in two or three years. Can't I do that? No, you can't. Not at 41% sodium. And this is exactly the reason why we were just, Darren and I were just in a meeting where we were talking to a farmer who said, yep, on our farm, we haven't soil tested in years. And I go, we're putting, he's like, we're putting crop removal out. Okay, you can do that. I'm not saying that's a bad plan in the short term. But occasionally, you, we really encourage everybody to do soil testing on smaller grids. It doesn't even have to be super often. Because literally, if I would have had a soil test any time within the last 10 years, it probably would have shown me this kind of data. This problem probably started 30 or 40 years ago. Seriously, to get to 40% sodium... It's a long-term thing. So I realize I've just spent almost this entire segment talking about one soil test. But this is so important because if you don't catch these things when they're small, when the problems are small, then the fix takes years. And like I'm saying here, this will probably take decades to get that soil back to what I would call great soil. I predict 30 years, maybe 20, but probably 30 years. And that's why I'm saying, I, honestly, when, it, when it's this far gone, can I fix it? Sure, I can. I'm just going to pour a whole bunch of money at it, and it's going to be a long time before I get that to pay back. So it stinks. So please try to catch the issues before it ever gets to this, and then we can go from there. Now, like for this farmer, he, for many years, they told him in his area, couldn't tile. Okay. So if you can't tile and you can't, you do everything you can to fight it and they just simply won't let you tile, then sometimes these things happen. But we have to understand, okay, what are the ramifications if I don't do the actual fixes I need, including tile, including, you know, maybe some deep tillage, getting calcium levels right, all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. But yeah, I, I, I feel for anybody who's got soil like this, because I'll guarantee you this started with the person's dad, maybe their grandpa. And then you're the one now that's left with, oh, I got to go try to fix this spot. Now, fortunately, this is a really good farmer. He has lots of great ground. He's getting pretty good yields. And so he, hopefully he can afford a few bad spots, but it just stinks. It's frustrating. Yeah, it sure is. There's there's a lot of tough things out there we got to deal with when you have high salt and high sodium. Trying to turn that thing around is not an overnight process. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.